If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. This is Everything is Personal with Len May. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything is Personal. As always, welcome, John. Hey, take it personal. Take it, take it personal. John Small. John Small. Take it personal. Take it, take it personal. (laughs) You know, I have a, I have have a comment. Uh, I was just talking to somebody before I I got on this and they were telling me something about, and they they listened to, uh, you know, they listened to our uh, program here and they they were like, everything is personal. People say it's not personal. It's just business. I'm like, fuck man. (laughs) That's as personal as you get. If you're doing business with somebody and they're trying to fuck you. That's pretty personal, it's man. Pretty it doesn't personal. Matter. It's not personal. It's just business. That's true. That's annoying. But you All know, but of stuff, course, I take man. everything personally. So I'm I'm the worst with everything. <laughs> I'm just always like they're always like it's not personal. It's not. I'm like, dude, it's completely personal. The question it, is, do you care? <laughs> the question is, do you want to let it care? So what if it's personal? Well, you that's what I've had. Care. That's what I've learned. Yeah, you I care mean, because you take it all personally. I do. I do take it personally. <laughs> that's true. It's a it's a it's never ending cycle things- for me. It's one of those things that, you know, when uh, when people say sticks and stones and make your bones and names, yeah. that's a bunch of bullshit, too. Man, I'd rather get hit with a stick a couple of times than be told some bullshit that's going to stick with me on my shrink it's couch. True, man. Words, words hurt. Words, words are important. I know. I've, I've taken beatings before, and I don't even remember, man. All right, fine. We should do an episode on all the things that people tell us, these kind of sayings that are completely not true as you get older. They sound great on paper, but they're just like sticks and stones may break your bones. Yeah. That is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's what they just walk it off, man. You know, our, man our guest, I'm, not a, I'm not announcing our guest, but you probably heard that before. You have a little bit of it. Oh, just walk it off. All right, but you understand that you're making it worse. And then when you're yeah, 30, just walk when off. you're 40, when you're 50, you're getting out of bed. I'm like, remember that time they told me to walk it off? <laughs> walk it off, the worst medical advice ever given. Yeah, yeah that's true. Sure. That is so true. <laughs> I think so we need to write gonna... a book. Al's laughing in his car. I think we need to write a book on all the things people tell you to do that are just complete bullshit. No, we, should, we should definitely do an episode and, and have people kind of write in and talk about it. And it's the shit that your parents used to say to you. You know, it's yeah. like, what? I'll give you one. All right, okay. give me another one. I'm trying to think as you talk here about so, these. So this one, it's scarring for me and it really changed my eating habits. Okay. So I could not leave the table until every little morsel of food is gone off my plate. And I wasn't a big eater when I was a kid. I was super skinny. I would sit there. My parents would be done dinner and I would sit there and it's late already. All the food is cold and I'm crying in my food. And my dad's like, nope, can't leave the table. I have to force everything and finish it. So I'm like, I'm hanging out with uh, my daughter. Everything is off my plate. 
everything is, uh, I finish every little thing. And then if she leaves stuff on her plate, I would go and finish her stuff. <laughs> Not really the best advice to be able to remain healthy. Just eat everything. No, you eat until you're full and that's it. There's just so much bad advice going around that is considered to be mainstream advice, like golden rule type stuff. And you're just like, yeah. what? That is well, completely golden, not golden rule is Golden rule is good. It's, oh, it's... I like the golden rule. You know, the golden rule, which is like thou do unto others, you would have them do unto you. That particular I, rule. Thank you for breaking that down, John. Thanks. That, that particular rule, just for in case, because a lot of people think the golden rule is Trump won <laughs> the election. <laughs> and golden showers. <laughs> That's like in every religion, there's some um, iteration of the golden rule. So that, that one's true. Well, it's a thread. You're absolutely right. That one is a thread among every single religion. That is the right. one thing that's in common with all of them. You're absolutely correct. I love it. So I see Al. First of all, I like this view of Al. This is the Cribs version of, of uh, Al. We're getting, so right we're now getting we're getting the, the view of Al holding his phone, but it's down low. <laughs> so we can see the towering figure in, in front of us. We're, we're getting a tour of Al's crib too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. There's a ceiling. It's a nice house. Damn. So first of all, I'm truly excited. I mean, you kind of gave it away already. I was going to do like a drum roll. Oh, man. Lead up to, uh, well, we, you can... know, we have rock stars on. We have rock stars of the science world. Well, we have a real NBA legend here. But and, and I'm grateful to call Al a friend, too. But it's not even the NBA stuff is really cool and it's great. And uh, we can talk about all that. But to me. Like, I'll give you an example. When I had my dispensaries back in the day, there was a lot of athletes that would visit the dispensaries in off-season and all that stuff. And we never talked about it because, you know, obviously they were doing testing. So nobody really spoke up about that. And I would say Al is the first person that really came out of the closet. And I don't mm -hmm. mean in that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about the cannabis can closet. Out of the cannabis closet. Uh, he the green closet. He, <laughs> yeah. The green closet. There you go. And then he was uh, instrumental in actually using his voice and saying, this is what I consume, this is what helps me, and came out and talked about that. And I really, really commend you for that. So first of all, welcome. Thank you for being here. Then, you know, the story of a rock star, and I can't find my computer charger. So then you can't go into the Apple store. So it's just all bad right now. Oh, man. But well, I'm we'll try to make your day a little better. <laughs> you know, obviously background, you know, played in the NBA for 16 years, uh, straight out of high school. You Jersey, know, right? New Jersey you're, native. You're Jersey yep. guy. Yep, out of Dirty Jersey, um, <laughs> made it out of there, you know, got drafted by the Indiana Pacers in 1998. And, you know, that's when my journey of becoming a man started, uh, you know, enjoyed my time in the NBA, um, made a lot of uh, good relationships with, you know, uh, from players to, you know, front office people. You know, I played on, you know, six teams, so I made my ways, I made my rounds and pretty much everywhere I went. I feel like when I left it, I made it, I left it a better place than when I got there. So I think because of that, you know, I got a lot of goodwill throughout a lot of my relationships. Then towards the end of my career, I started to realize the value of cannabis. And it pretty much started because of, you know, my grandmother, you know, uh, she came to see me play in Colorado uh, back in 2010. You know, she got to my house and she was taking all this medication and I was interested in why was she taking so much medication. And she told me the list of things she was dealing with and one of them was glaucoma. And when she said glaucoma, I was telling her about some stuff I was reading in the newspaper about cannabis. And, you know, she finally was interested in asking what was cannabis. And I told her marijuana weed. And she was like, reefer? She's like, boy, I ain't smoking no reefer. <laughs> so she was against it the first <laughs> day. Line. Second day, you know, she was in pain and couldn't see. 
And I just told her, I said, Grandma, you taking all that medication is not working. You're in a state where it's legal. Why don't you just give it a try? You know, it'll be our secret. You know, obviously now I've told the entire world. But, um, you know, she tried it. Hour and a half later, I went to go check on her. You know, I go downstairs and knock on the door and her back's to the door and she's looking down. And when she, when I asked her, is she okay? She turns around crying tears. Damn. And uh, she says, I'm healed. So this is the first time I've been able to read the words of my Bible in over three years. So that's what started my journey in cannabis. Uh, you know, I started to, you know, read more articles and read more things about it. And I started to realize that the stigma that had been attached to it since I was born uh, yeah. was totally false. You know, everybody was always taught me that it was a gateway drug. Uh, if you use cannabis, you can't be productive and, you know, all these different things. But obviously, every day that I live my life now, I'm changing that. You know what I'm saying? I'm showing people that that's not the case. I'm a daily cannabis user and, you know, I feel like I'm a great father. <laughs> uh, you know, good husband, uh, running up, you know, a big business, you know, and all the other, you know, extracurricular activity things that I do, you know, and I do it at a high level. You know what I'm saying? And cannabis is part of my lifestyle. And that's my biggest thing is just trying to change the stigma and give people, you know, the knowledge to understand that cannabis is just an alternative way to deal with a lot of things that our society has put, you know, pharmaceutical and prescription pills in place for. And when, you know, we could do it with a plant that's all natural, uh, not addictive, all the, you know, the different things that, you know, we deal with when we talk about, you know, those other pharmaceutical uh, options. And, you know, I always just say like, you know, a drug to me is a drug is when you take too much of it, you could die, overdose. And cannabis, you know, we could all sit here and smoke until we couldn't smoke anymore and we're gonna wake up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. might be a little That's woozy right. a little bit, but we're gonna wake up. I just think it's in a different category. It's its own category. And, you know, I firmly believe that cannabis, you know, will one day be the reason the world starts to heal itself. It'll mm. be through the cannabis plant. Absolutely. And I gotta commend you too. Al is like the hardest working person in cannabis. He's <laughs> out and about everywhere all the time. But let me share something on the screen first before we get going. I, I, this is, I think this is la not the last time that I saw Al, but this is the last time that uh, I was together with Al in a formal setting. Uh, I'm going to share this pic, but then I'll explain. I'll set it up and then. <laughs> oh, well, that, that was the image <laughs> when I said one of those things is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to describe it now. Can, so Al, I, I'm so grateful he invited me to the launch. If I remember this correctly, uh, this was the launch of Replay, Al's uh, CBD a product line. Is that correct? correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm the guy that's the odd person out of this group. If, uh, well, first of all, I'm a white guy that's about five foot eight. Uh, so next to me is uh, uh, big baby Glenn Davis about seven foot tall, maybe like 300 pounds. Let's give him, or maybe like 350 or so. He's a really big guy. I basically come up to a little bit above his elbow. Then next to him is Kenyon Martin. Oh, uh, next to him is Al, Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson, and Baron Davis. Do I have that correct? That's a great yes. squad. I want that team. I want that team. So, yeah, right? We could win this the game is, with that team. Yeah. Right? I'm the point guard, right? right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, You're Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> exactly. Well, Muggsy Bogues is 5'4", I think. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was really well. I'm, I'm more like Spud yeah, that Webb. Was amazing. That was an amazing night that night. Yeah, we were launching, um, you know, we was launching Replay. Um, I put a panel together, you know, for some athletes to come and sit because, you know, Replay is really catered for athletes and it's focused on athlete recovery, which right. is something that 
is athletes forever. Athletes that play at a high level are forever constantly looking for ways to make themselves feel better mm-hmm. <laughs> all yeah. the time. Like, sure. you know, when people, you know, I tell people all the time, what you're a professional athlete is no such thing as 100% healthy. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just possible. You know what right. I mean? Unless you're a professional knitter. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you use your body and it's physical, like, something's always hurting, something's always bothering you, and you're always trying to figure out how you can get an edge to be able to bounce back and be able to get ready for the next game and, you know, feel as as good as as possible. So I'm a guy that in in my 16-year career, I think I've tried everything. I've tried yoga. I've tried Pilates. I've tried any kind of cream. I've tried any kind of uh, vitamin. I've tried it all. You know what I'm saying? Always on the quest of trying to feel better. So that's what replay is about. Replay is about trying to get athletes back. It's almost like hitting the replay button, right? You know, so like from scratch and feeling good. So you beat yourself up to starting feeling good again. So that's where I came up with the name. But it's really just about, you know, we're going to start with just more topical based products because, you know, ingestibles is still hard with the regulations, you know, and I country still or whatever. But topicals is definitely I found a formulation that took the inflammation out of my knee completely, you know. And, you know, that's the main reason why I retired was because I couldn't get that inflammation out of my knee. And, you know, two years later, after a lot of trial and error. You know, I was able to nail down this this uh, this excuse me this formulation yeah. that will allow me to go and continue to play as a professional. Maybe not in the NBA, but I played in the Big Three for two years, so I was able to continue to play and play at a high level. So I just want to be able to offer this to other athletes that I know deal with the same thing that I deal with. And you know, hopefully one day, you know, one of our products will extend a couple guys' careers. You know, a year, two years, and you know, that's what the main goal is. Just, is just as a from a community standpoint for athletes, just remembering like you know what we deal with and create products to yeah. address those issues. Well, I'm glad to be included as the, as the sciencey guy and part of that panel. So, whatever you ever need from me as far as like uh, support from a scientific standpoint, I'm always there for you, brother. I really appreciate yes, sir. It. Thank you. All right. When guests come on, we ask them three questions. So I'm going to jump into that. And then after we're done, you're free to go and, and get your charger and all that other stuff. That you can <laughs> no, and, no, and do something. Another call, way, another call right after Yeah, this. way more important stuff than this. And then really <laughs> first question, please describe your first experience with cannabis. As a user or just with just seeing? Oh, as a user. As a user. Okay. As a user, uh, yeah. I was in Phoenix, Arizona, playing with the Golden State Warriors. We were at dinner um, across the street from the hotel. We were watching the Clippers play against the Nuggets and we needed the Clippers to beat the Nuggets. (laughs) Then the next day, it was the last game of the season, we had to just beat Phoenix, which we was waxing Phoenix that year. Though Mm -hmm. that year we kept beating them. Steve Nash could Steve not Nash guard here, Monte. Yeah. He couldn't guard Monte Ellis though. Like Monte averaged like 38 that season against them yeah. just in the season. So we knew we would win just because of Monte by itself, yeah. damn it. Right. So we're sitting there, we're watching, and you know, the Clippers was just the Clippers. Just do what they do, they lose. <laughs> so that let us know that we were out of this, you know, no matter what we to see our season was over. So Everybody's frustrated because last year we had the We Believe team where, you know, we felt like we, we were a better team. We had 49 wins that year and you still missed the playoffs, you know. But mm-hmm. um, so everybody's frustrated. Get back to the hotel. The guy starts smoking and I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, I'm about to go. They're like, nah, you smoking tonight, bro. You smoking. <laughs> 
He's like, man, we done, bro. It's nothing else. You smoking, bro. I'm like, nah, like, nah, you smoking. So let me smoke. So they gave me some something pretty strong, some something from the bay, pretty strong. And yeah. um, I'll never forget, I went in the room and I was just like super paranoid. Like I felt like <laughs> I heard, I felt like I heard the ambulance coming. I was thinking like it was the police because smoke oh in the God. room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. A Not a good experience. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't that good for me. It was just like, man, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, they smoke to feel like this. <laughs> this is what they're looking for. I've every had time. that experience too. Totally. Yeah, but, that's, uh, that yeah. was John's first experience. I though. did. I was like thinking to myself, well, Bill Maher, all these guys always talking about smoking. This is what they like. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh. yeah, I'm like, who wants to feel like this? So <laughs> that, that was my first. That was yeah. my first smoking experience. That's that's cool. But it, I mean, this this goes to tell you that it is personal. It is based on your genetics and also based on the plant itself. So what you're consuming may not align with you. And then some people on the first experience don't know. I always say it over and over, and I want people to understand that THC is a vasodilator. So what it does constricts your blood vessels, so your heart has to pump faster. So people don't have that experience. They don't know that you're going to have an increased heart rate. And when you have that, some people get really freaked out about that. Oh, my God, you know, my heart's beating so fast. I'm not used I'm to this. I'm a heart attack, yeah. When did you uh, consume it and like it and be like, oh, okay, now I get it? That was sort of after you started, your grandma started using it, right? Yeah. You know, for me, like it was, uh, then I had an edible. Uh, Which is a smart progression from having a bad experience with that to an right. edible. And I had, <laughs> yeah. Because <that>, <laughs> I had an edible experience oh, that damn it killed me too. Like yeah, the next exactly. year. Um, it's amazing but, uh, you were able to go to do it a third time. <laughs> to be honest, man, it probably wasn't until I really got into the business. You know, yeah. when I started really like having options, you know, right. before that, I didn't know the difference between whatever. If you gave me weed, it was weed. I think it was like when I got into the when I really started to get into business and really educate myself is when I started to identify strains that I prefer to, you know, smoke over others, you know, to that point of like the heart racing thing. I already have like a, a somewhat of a heart condition, nothing mm. to you know, be worried about like that, but I have one. So. You know, when I smoke really high potency sativas, it makes my heart race and it gives sure. me that uneasiness or whatever. Mm-hmm. I normally stay away from sativas totally. Right. And I prefer hybrids and I love indicas like OGs. Right. Those are my favorites. Yeah. So that's what I prefer to, you know, smoke. And especially when, you know, I'm at home with the kids and stuff like that, you know, got to do that type thing. Or I got soccer all day with, with my yeah. daughter. <laughs> you know, I definitely have my strains specifically yeah. for what I got to do. Right. That's specific to the activity that you're doing. But you can tell that Al is a professional athlete and he doesn't give up because the first time he had a bad experience, second time, third, he kept going, going for it and going for it until he got it right. So that's uh, right. Never never give up up in anything, bro. Like, I mean, obviously bad things. Yes. But you know what I mean? Like if it's certain things that you think that you might like or it could be, you know, good for you and it don't work out the first time, don't mean that it wasn't for you. This, you know, like to your point, you just need a little bit more experience with it. Exactly. It's just like, you know, at the end of the day, you had sex and the first time it was bad. I hope you didn't stop. Uh, yeah, I'm glad yeah, it wasn't the, bad. The first experience was, happened. I know I did. Yeah, the first experience was uh, was not the best. I was trying to figure out what I was doing and I was confused about it. But yeah, I never stopped. I didn't give up. Right, I never gave up. <laughs> I never, I never gave, gave up, up no. on that. And I found the strains I liked. For sex. For sex. For sex. strains for sex. Sex strains, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so John and I are big music guys. We we happen to be favorite genres of like old school hip hop for us. But is there a song, album, or or genre that sort of is you go to uh, when you like to consume or 
music that goes with your consumption? I'm more of a social smoker. Mm -hmm. I'm not a guy to just sit in a room and light up with just music and you know what I'm saying? That's not right. more, that's me, not me really. I like to do it socially, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Kind of sit and smoke and whatever, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of times in the impatient lives that we live, right? You're trying to get as high as, as fast as you can, right? It's like when I do decide, I got five minutes to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I don't really get a chance to really like sit back and relax. And I think a lot of times that has to do it because like, uh, like have a place in the house to smoke, right? Yeah. I think that if I had like my spot in the house where I could yeah. smoke, maybe I might start getting into the whole vibe and all you, that. You can come over my house if you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> give you a spot. We can hang out and smoke. Exactly. Right. I need to give me like a massage chair and all that kind of stuff. I got you, man. I got you. I got you all set up, man. Anytime. <laughs> I have a whole music room too. We can play music. It'll be a new experience. But I will say, but like when I, I've spent some time in Jamaica and I've spent some, you know, time with the Rastafari, you know, they're like kind of just learning their culture and stuff like that. I always said that was like the greatest vibe of. Mm -hmm. like in environment that I've been in that was just a vibe, right? I just yeah. felt like the whole time I was in Jamaica, no matter where I was at, what I was doing, I felt like I heard reggae music in the background. Somewhere. That music is just made for, right? That music is just, you understand it when you're high, when you listen yeah. to it, you're like, that. okay, this music is made for. Yeah, for so I would think if I had to pick a genre of music to smoke, so I yeah. think it would definitely be reggae just to really get me, get me in that vibe. Would it, would it be Snoop Lion by any chance? <laughs> Of course, you know, always, always want to, you know, always going to listen to the to the OG. You know, he got the, his genre of music stretches across. Oh, I'm just waiting for him to do like a classical album now. Yeah, you know, exactly. He's done it all. Yeah, but I, I harpsichord. Snoop on the harpsichord. I, I right. spent two years ago. I don't even know what year we're in anymore. It's all blended together. The pre-COVID years, I, I spent some time in Jamaica, had the same exact experience hanging out with a the Rastas, they treat the plant completely differently than we treat the plant. It's a really spiritual thing. And uh, the music was fantastic for sure. What has cannabis meant in your life? It's now everything, man. Like I said, man, I, I'm, I'm on a quest of like, we're going to propel cannabis to like the number one. Cannabis is going to be part of everybody's lifestyle in some shape fashion you know what i'm saying what, what i love about it is and especially as technology is continue to get better around the space you don't have to smoke it to be able to benefit get the benefits of cannabis which i think is amazing because of our endocannabinoid system and i mean you can speak to it better than i can but because of that just because of that one thing it, it it's made for us to your point you know it's different cannabinoids that people need and that could be good for them that could not be good for others but it's like it's finding out figuring that out I just feel like once you add cannabis to your lifestyle, you get a better quality of life. And I think that's something that we all deserve. And I think that when you really think about it, that's the reason why God put this plan on earth. You know what I'm saying? It was for that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just for us to be able to tap into that. And it's going to take all of us. It's a group effort. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to do it by myself. That's why, you know, I've always been very, very supportive of the industry as a whole. I don't feel like any of us are at the point of competition because it's too early in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like when you look at the revenue of cannabis, like it hasn't even, it hasn't even scratched the surface yet. Yeah. So for me to sit and think that one person, this person is, is my enemy or can't, we can't work together is just foolish. And, you know, I think that because I feel like that, and that's the way I operate, I feel like that's the reason why the industry has been very um, accepting to me, very supportive. 
And like I said, I just want to continue to push that narrative because I just feel like when the real benefits come around of like, you know, from especially from a financial standpoint and stuff like that, we probably won't be around. We are on the path of, you know, creating generational wealth for generations to come. And we're pioneering that. And I think that we just need to keep our head down and remember that's the focus. And like I said, let's just grow this industry because it's going to be a massive one. Yeah, it's beautifully said. And I think our kids, uh, when they're our age, are going to be like, what? This was illegal? They're right. already kind of like that. Yeah, my yeah, kids. I, like, I mean, maybe it's because of my that? job, but my kids are just like, they don't Well, mine too. Baby, but, yeah. yeah, there's no stigma for them. Yeah. In yeah, some my, ways, my that scares me. My, my, my three-year-old, he knows the difference between the swell. He knows the difference between smelling OG, Sunday driver, and runts. You can tell you the I difference. I love it, man. You're <laughs> teaching them <laughs> early. Like, the nose knows. Daddy, is this is this runs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the one to know. It's exactly it. Man. That's hilarious. I'm like, yeah, you got to run the business one day, son. So yeah, I got to teach him now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I did the same thing. My daughter. All right. So bonus question, if you remember or not, do you remember what your room looked like growing up? Yeah, I remember my room. Uh, well, first, my I mean, until I was a freshman in high school, we lived in a two bedroom apartment. Me, my mom, and my three siblings. Mm-hmm. So that room was a room with bunk beds. Mm-hmm. I slept on the top. I, well, we used to switch up. I was the oldest, so I could decide. But <laughs> on my wall, I had like, a, I think it was Word Up or whatever, the rap magazine. Word Up magazine. Like, it was all a dream. Yeah, yeah. I had all Word, Word Up, up Word Up yeah. posters on the wall. Yeah. And then when we moved into a house, when I became a freshman in high school, that room had uh, Word Up. And then a bunch of basketball and football, like Bo Jackson, MJ, Patrick yeah, Ewing, right. all those guys on my wall. Did you grow up a Knicks fan? I grew up a diehard Knicks fan because yeah. of my mom. I wanted to root for the Bulls, but she was like, not at her house. <laughs> so she made me a Knicks fan. I always liked Jordan. And he just always, yeah. always broke my heart, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was a diehard Knicks fan growing up. Didn't you play for the Knicks at some point? And I remember... Yeah. Yeah, I got I got two years in with the Knicks. We had no success. We got our ass. Knicks, Knicks had no Knicks, success. Yeah, I mean, years, so. yeah. So <laughs> I was I never I went. I definitely went. That's one place I definitely didn't make better when I left. Yeah. Well, well I don't think I don't, too I don't many people have. <laughs> I'm a suffering Knicks fan. I, I mean, you say Ewing. Those are the days. That's my Knicks. Thing. I'm a Sixers fan. We're pretty suffering too. We haven't had a success in many years as well, from the Barkley, uh, I guess Iverson years uh, too. Um, the question period has, uh, has ended. ended. John and I are going to be talking about best opening lines in rap songs. So that's one of our topics that we're talking. I know we're putting you on the spot, but, you know, like I'll give you an example. Uh, so for me, it's like Lottie Dottie, you know. Or, uh, <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. Um, uh, I'm the king it's of rock. Right. We're, putting him, we're putting him on the spot. But. If you want to add anything. I, well, I guess mine, the one that sticks out for me now is, I mean, I can't think of one from back in the day. I mean, it was, a, I mean, it's so much stuff and that's definitely put me on the spot. But the one I can think of now that's like my favorite is from Meek Mill's first album, his intro song. I'm a big fan of. And I think Philly. it's one of those songs where everybody knows that intro. Philly, Philly, Philly in the house. Yes, sir. <laughs> Al. Thank you so much. Where can people find out about uh, you? Where can people hit you up? Or where can people learn more about Viola or anything else that you want to Yeah, man, you can, um, you can check us out online, violabrands.com. And then uh, from our social, um, it's just at Viola. And then other than that, you can follow me, you know, and I always, you know, obviously uh, make uh, different announcements and stuff through my platform as well. And that's at Al Harrington 3.
the number three at the end. Thank you so much for your time. Really, right. really appreciate Great it. Good to see you again, Al. Stay healthy, Thank stay guys. safe. Can't wait to see you in person. Hopefully after yep. all this shit's over, we'll hang. See you soon, brother. <laughs> stay safe, guys. <laughs>
Right. Well, Alice said there's pain yeah. in every. In every yeah, it's true. Sport. I actually so. I was a little offended when he said about the thing about the knitters because I, you know, I was <laughs> knitting. I've been knitting for years, and I've got you know Harper Tunnel. Yeah, yeah, I've got an ACL, but I've got an ACL injury. I was going to tell him about. What's the sport where curling? Man, just curling. That's how <laughs> I, I, I know. I don't. How I know you were going to say that because that's always the first sport that people make fun of when they. Well, it's just it. funny because it, you know they they put down their beer and then they throw this big. Yeah, whatever it is, disc donut on the ice and it's weird and then do the thing with their broom and, and then the brooms <laughs> oh my god i have an injury somehow that became an olympic sport i we don't know how but i was it, as we've said break dancing is, dancing is next now. and and so is um skateboarding and and hey before we jump into our list i'm really excited about the rap all the stuff and we can talk about some other stuff as well shirts oh what yeah so today i've got on it see if you know this reference so i'm going to stand up here for a minute you're killing oh, me, that, Smalls. Isn't that from, uh, what's that movie? Uh, it says, you're killing me, Smalls. It is from The Sandlot. Sandlot, yeah. that's it. And of course, I'm Smalls. So, you know, you're, I, you're, I heard that. Smalls. I am Smalls. So I've heard that <laughs> a lot when I was a kid. Um, you're killing me, Smalls. They started selling this at Target of all places. So I just had to pick one up. That was that's that was great. what I raged for. What do you got? What do you have on? Yours is much cooler, I'm sure. Well, I, don't, I was trying to find something appropriate. I was going to wear... Because I want to talk about funk a little bit, so I was going to wear a funk label, and I couldn't find my funk label, so I decided to skip that and go with. Uh, since we're talking about lyrics, this was a shirt I'm wearing. It says, "Oh man, today was a good day." That's awesome because I was actually <laughs> thinking that that would be a good opener. Uh, that I was trying to think of his um his opening line for that rap is one of the great opening lines. But anyway, we'll get into that. I'm still upset about the knitters thing. I've got to talk. I'll talk to Al about that afterwards. Yeah, you, Everything you know. is personal for me. John uh, reached out and he uh, had a link to uh, something about best rap opening lines. And there was, uh, you know, people were posting what are the opening lines. Yeah, Beth, what's the best rap opening line? And and this yeah. was specifically the 80s. In the well, 80s, I kind this... of expanded my list. Of, yeah, good. Uh, beyond the 80s. So you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. Straight out of Compton, crazy <laughs> motherfucker named Ice Cube. <laughs> I don't think we even. I don't even know if that even needs a setup. But that is, yeah, straight out of Compton. Let's hear that. Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube from the gang called Niggas with Attitudes. When I'm called off, I got a sawed off, squeeze the trigger and bodies are hard off. First of all, straight out of the best. It yeah, just, well, I mean, it says like what we, it is. I mean, I don't even know why it's so good. It's just freaking great. It's a great it's opening. It's amazing. Line. It's a, it's a great opening line. I'm going to say back in the day when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a pager. Well, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> I was it on your list. <laughs> back in the days when I was a teenager, before I had status and before I had a pager, you can find the abstract. Listening to hip hop, my pops used to say it reminded him of bebop. I said, well, daddy, don't you know that things go in cycles? Way the Bobby Brown is just amping like Michael. Not only is it the opening line of, excursions from tribe called quest but it's the first yes. track of low end theory a record yes. we've talked about a bunch on this podcast and it just sort of sets the tone of the entire album and the entire tribe called quest experience and i just feel like it's yeah. i could listen to that over and over and over and over again and it's I, it I, always I, is one of the first things i think of when i think of a, of a rap you know like a opening opening line a hundred percent i had on my list so i'm glad i'm skipping that one <laughs> so i'll go with the one i kind of mentioned to al Lottie Dottie, we like the party. You know what? Your peep this. Lottie Dottie, we like the party. We don't cause trouble. We don't bother nobody. We're just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. That's Slick, Slick Rick. Rick. 
la-dee-da-dee, la -dee, on the B side of the show, which is interesting yeah. that- Dougie Fresh. Yeah, it was a, it was the B side of, it was probably the more popular, it was one of those B sides the where the B side's bigger. The box is the entertainer. No other name. And la-dee-da-dee, we like to party. I feel like that's been sampled so many times. I, yeah. Snoop said it, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, la-dee-da-dee, it's the best. Yeah. I just saw Slick Rick uh, before COVID two years ago. He came out. He, he has the eye game. patch. He really he wears. Yes, he has patch. the eye patch, which is all blinged out. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he put on a little bit of weight, I would say. Yeah. But he's still got all the gold around his neck, and he's like he's got so much gold that he's, it feels like it's weighing him down. He's like bent over forward a little bit. Man. All right, know. my line. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. <laughs> Do you have that? You're like putting your hands of course, up. Of course. Of course. Because of it's course. such a great rhyme. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Something pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. It's one and, of the best. And ever. I love that, that Al mentioned that he had posters of Word Up magazine up on his yeah. uh, bedroom wall. That is Biggie. Rapping Duke. Daha, daha. Daha, daha. Couldn't take it this far. Um, That is Biggie Juicy. You know, it's like funny. Like, why is that such a great opening line? I don't know. It's just one of those lines that is unforgettable. I guess that's it. It's just unforgettable. Like, you always remember that rhyme. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to go West Coast for a second. Ooh. And I don't think that I need to uh, mention who it's by because it's in the first line. One, two, three into the four. Snoop Doggy Dog, Dr. Dre at the door. At the door. One, two, three into the four. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Because you know we're about to rip shit up. That's another one that kind of like introduces a whole new genre. Yeah. That's off the chronic. Who is the guy that, from that record that got in a motorcycle accident and then couldn't like speak anything? DOC? Could, yeah, DOC. Yeah, I, I actually know DOC. Oh, yeah. he would be so a great I've one. Had, on uh, well, I stopped on what you were saying. Go ahead, what you were saying. Uh, I don't know if that particular rhyme, but I know that in that rap, when they when he says it's like this and like that and like that was a DOC rhyme that DOC gave. Snoop By the way, rhyme. DOC's album, his solo album, when uh, NWA is fantastic. I highly recommend some of you, anybody checking it out. But uh, so I was friends with his uh, with his good friend. And By the way, it's nothing but a G thing. I mean, there's nothing but a G thing, yeah. baby. I can't yeah. believe it. Here's another. But one. Yeah. So DOC. So one one thing uh, with DOC. So I had a conversation with him several times he was trying to do something with cannabis he was really interesting the way he speaks is really really interesting it doesn't sound anything speak like this they uh, really listen to him like oh, that oh man yeah so he's what a great tragedy is because he was going to be like the next snoop you know he was a huge uh, rapper and then absolutely. he got in a motorcycle crash yeah. and I, I couldn't believe that story and then he just couldn't he lost his voice yeah sad man to... yeah diggity dig did i say this one already Two years ago, a friend of mine asked me to say an MC rhyme. Awesome. <laughs> and I said axed. Uh, of course you did. It's axed me to say an MC rhyme. Two years ago, a friend of mine asked me to say some MC rhyme. So I said this rhyme I'm about to say. The rhyme was there, but then it went this way. That is Run DMC, Sucker MC. MCs. Probably like yeah. their sort of like debut, their first big major hit. Uh, absolutely, Sucker MCs for sure. Really, one of the first times it was just a rapper and a drum machine. That was like one mm -hmm. of the early, early versions of that, which would then would go on to be the style for the next four years. But that was like 
pretty revolutionary because before that it was all music and kind of coming out of that disco era like yeah good times and all that stuff and then this was like much more raw stripped down just a freaking well, drum machine gonna, yeah and a rapper right well, i was gonna i was gonna give you a, you know the, your favorite i'm gonna see if you come up with it the one that is your karaoke go-to so i'll, I'll leave it be oh right uh, oh that's true well i mean that's I'll, true I'll that is a classic I'll leave it be. Yeah. All right. This is a funny one. It's not the traditional like rap, the hard the, like, we like, but uh, it's an opening line that I think has been played. It's one of the biggest selling rap songs of all time. So I'm sure everybody heard it. I want to rock right now. I'm rock bass and I came to get down. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I want to rock right now. I'm rock bass and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone because I get stupid. I mean, That's a really good one. Whether you I, like it or not. <laughs> yep. I play on my other podcast right about now. Every episode I play the very beginning of that rap where he says, right about now, you're about to be possessed by the sound of. You know, that whole thing. Yep. <laughs> do, 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 do. Rob Bass. Rob Canadian, Bass. by the way. Rob Bass is Canadian? Yeah. Wow. Canadian. I don't know if I like him anymore. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Nice guy, though. Have you did, have you met Rob Bass? No. Okay. I'm just thinking he's Canadian. He must be a nice he guy. He must be. Yeah, he must be super A. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't like, a? it takes two to make a thing go right. A? Yeah. A. <laughs> oot. <laughs> and I'm Oot. Yeah, this is Rob Bass, and I'm Oot. <laughs> oot. I was a fiend before I became a team. I was a fiend before I became a teen. I melted microphones instead of cones of ice cream. I was a fiend before I became a teen. I melted microphones instead of cones of ice cream. Music orientated. So when hip hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzles, complicated. Remember that one? Yeah. Rakim. Yeah, I was going to do a Rakim one too. I had a few, but then I was like, I can't just have it all be Rakim. I guess he was very good at openers. I'm almost down to my because this was just what I scribbled down when I was. I, we I, I have sure so we'll, many. We'll sign off, and I'll be like, "How could I have forgotten?" Because I'm well, like have, very focused on the '80s and the '90s here, and I'm sure there's even some that are more current. Broken glass everywhere. Oh, that's so. You're good. pissing on the stairs. You know they don't care. <laughs> that's a perfect one. That's a really good one. Broken glass everywhere. People pissing on the stage. You know they just don't care. I can't take the smell. Can't take the noise. Got no money to move out. I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room. Roaches in the back. Junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. The message, Melly Mel. Message. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Melly Mel. Yeah. That's a great one because, again, that that rap, that's that one's important because that was like one of the first raps that was talking about like the bad stuff that's going on in yeah. the ghetto, right? And the bad stuff instead of yeah, just yeah. like, I've got a big car and a bodyguards and that kind of stuff. This is like, this is the CNN of the, of the street type of rap. I think the yep. message might've been the first message rap. Then everybody started doing that. I know they did, yeah. um, Run DMC did, it's like that and that's the way it is. It they, did, is. they did one similar, but that was after. Well, I was going to use King of Rock, but it's all right. Well, we, are we had a lot of Run DMC. But Run DMC also very good with the openers. I was going to, even their early, right. really early one, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we here. I just think because when I, when, when I first thought of it, when somebody yeah. asked this question, what's the best opener, the first one that popped in my mind, and I don't even like this rap that much, but I just like the yeah. opening line, was don't call it a comeback. Yeah. It's Please. a great line, and it was um, LL Cool J. I've been cool here for J. years. I've been here for years with LL Cool J. It was 1990. My understanding is that, you know, LL was huge in the early 80s, mid 80s with like, yeah. and then he kind of like fell out of favor for radio. 
Yeah, with radio. I can't live without my radio. And then he kind of fell out of favor. He just wasn't as cool. Well, because he did that, I need love. Yeah, he he did did some corny stuff. He got corny. Yeah. Yeah. But then he he partnered with Melly Mel, not Melly Mel, Marley Marl, and he came up with this two-record set in 90, and that was the first track. Don't call it a comeback. I've been doing it for years. Don't call it a comeback. Well, since I went soft with Rob Bass, uh, my last one, I'm going to go hard. Elvis was a hero the most, but he never meant <laughs> shit to me. Is that the, the opening line? Yeah. Elvis was a hero to most, but yeah. Elvis. Elvis was a hero to most, but he, Elvis was a hero to most. Yeah. Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. Yes, he's straight out racist. The sucker was simple and plain. Motherfucking man, John Wayne. Cause I'm black and I'm proud already. already. Public Enemy, Fight the Power. That's Public Enemy, Fight the Power. And then the other one you mentioned from Public Enemy that when you said it was like the first thing I is bass, how low can you go? Bass, how low can you go? That though, what about the what, once again? Once again, again is that, that's that's Bring the Noise, right? People, I mean, number one. But anyway, that Elvis was a hero to most is great because and then and then you uh, hate Elvis. He hated Elvis. And then school. You hate Elvis too. Oh, I hate Elvis. <laughs> and then um, yeah, Flavor Flav chimes in. Yeah, John, fuck John Wayne too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Wayne. They're just gonna pile on all the great white heroes. <laughs> Elvis yeah. was, yeah, we, we can have a whole conversation about Well, he was very influential, but he was I, do influential. I have to like his music? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he was partially, and I don't want to, you know, this isn't, we're not going to have a whole conversation about it, but I think he was a little bit of a, a victim as mm-hmm. well. Like, Probably. I know he took advantage of that, but I think he was influenced a lot by management and studio and all that stuff. Probably. I don't really know a whole lot about Elvis, because I guess because I didn't yeah. like his music, so I haven't been in, done a deep dive, and I'm sure he is a tragic figure in a lot of ways. I know he wasn't very nice to people from no. what I've read. He was, and he used to eat peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. I've also heard that. <laughs> Who's the black sheep? What's the black sheep? Black no, sheep. not who I am or when I'm coming. So you sleep. Who's the black sheep? What's the black sheep? No, not who I am or when I'm coming. So you sleep. Wasn't in my home or wasn't in your sphere. No, not who I was, but less than here. Who's the black sheep? What's the black? He just comes in so hard yeah. with that. It's great. It's the great. Here's a good one. His palms are sweaty. He's weak. Arms are heavy. There is vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. (laughs) That is a great one, especially (laughs) because he kind of makes it come to life when you you actually see the eight mile rap. His palms spaghetti. He's weak. Arms spaghetti. There's vomit on his sweater spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm spaghetti. He drop palms, but he keeps on spaghetti. What he wrote down, the whole crowd goes spaghetti. He the visual storytelling yeah, the imagery. and the use of the words to do that, it's really, really profound. It was definitely, I love that he said an image there. It's its pretty incredible. We have no Jay-Z on here. Oh, I have, I have Jay-Z. I have a bunch of Jay-Z. Oh, sure. I know you're a big fan. That's why I kept it. I like Jay-Z. <laughs> If you have girl problems, I feel bad for your son. I got 99 problems and a bitch ain't one. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for your son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cask is closed. Rap critics save money cash. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those? I wonder how important, if you talk to a rapper, how important that opening line is to them. I can almost answer the question because when I'm writing, 
the opening line is yeah. like the most important the thing i obsess over super important yeah. it's important to me as a, as a listener but we should get like you know one or two we should get a rapper somebody that I'm really trying knows. man i've been trying yeah. to get them if anybody yeah. has any leads or listen just happens to be listening to this show <laughs> yeah hey be real if you want to come on you're you're welcome i i'll on. get back to be real i've had him on schooly, my schooly d how about schooly d schooly i have his d, email address i don't know if he reads email but i do have his email address <laughs> how about baby i like it raw Oh, baby, I like it. <laughs> you like it raw. <laughs> Old dirty bastard. Oh, baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. Oh, baby, I like it raw. Yeah, baby, I like it raw. A couple more on here, but I don't think there's prolific. But some are like not memorable. Like I could think of raps that I love the rap, but I wouldn't be able to necessarily tell you the opening line. Like I was just thinking of that rap flavor in your ear. I don't even know if I could tell you what the opening line is no. of that rap. No, because some of them you're relying on the hook itself. Yeah. Even like song of the scenario. Right. But you remember the hook more than the opening, but these are songs. Although that's remember. a good one because he goes, Bono's this, Bono's that. Bono's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But I know what you no, mean. Exactly. Like scenario, I'm more obsessed in scenario with when Buster Rhymes comes in. I mean, oh, he, he that like gives me the chills every time. Exactly, I hear it. that was that's the best one. He and he talked about that. I I saw an interview. I saw it too. Said, Where was that that we saw that? Because I was trying was to it, find it. Was that on the tribe uh, documentary? I thought or? it was in the tribe documentary, but it wasn't there. Because I saw what you were talking about too. It's what he talks about. He was getting ready for he was the getting ready for it because he knew it was a big yep. debut for him and he was excited. Shit, about I don't remember, it. Yep. I, but it wasn't in the tribe because I just saw that in that that documentary recently and it wasn't there. And I was gonna, mm. I was excited about to see that. But it, yeah, he's like, it was a Native Tongues documentary. Yeah, yeah. he was like yeah. waiting. You know, everybody had their turn on that rap to do their little yeah. thing, and it was like his big break. And oh my god, he just he's unconscious in that. It's like the equivalent of watching like Michael Jordan shoot. An 80, He's in the 70 zone. point game. Yeah, like it's crazy. He's in the zone. Yeah. How about this one? Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. Nice. <laughs> important. An important rap. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad because I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit because I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on. And thrown in jail, we can go toe to toe. I mean, like an God. opening line. I mean, it's not in line, and it's like Tipper Gore would like practically had a heart attack. Yeah, fuck yeah, the police is game changer. All right. I feel like hey, we haven't we haven't given any props to the ladies. I'm trying to think. Um, KRS One to the ladies. Oh, to ladies. Oh, yeah. I thought you said '80s. No, no, no. Uh, KRS One. We'll do a show I about. Want, yeah, I want to do something. We should give it up to the ladies. Rappers. Five best female rappers. Done. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, I already have them in my head right now, but we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll wait. I'm going to leave it with Karis 1. I'm number one, two, three, four, and 5. <laughs> I love that. That's a great I love line. That. I'm number one. Uh, I'm sorry, I lied. I'm number one, two, three, four, and 5. I'm sorry, I lied. I'm number one, two, three, four, and 5. <laughs> and That's five. step into the world, KRS-One. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to give you my last Draw one. Down memory lane. Because you uh, mentioned this person as being an overrated, not your favorite rapper. But the line is pivotal in hip-hop history. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh idea squeak across the bathroom floor. Ice-T, six in the morning. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh idea squeak across the bathroom floor. Out my back window, I'm taking my 
get a chance to grab my own food tape. We didn't even give Schooly D. We didn't say P.S. Okay. I don't remember the opening line. Well, looking like, at my Gucci, it's about that time. Is, is that it, the opening line in that song? Yeah, it is. Looking is it? at my oh, Gucci. Oh, well then this that's yeah, classic. That's a classic. Looking at my Gucci, it's about that time. Looking at my Gucci, it's about that time. The answer's moving through the start humming the rhyme. I heard you resolve deal why in my lines. And if I catch you boy, your ass is mine. The first rhyme ever made by a gangster rapper. That is true. <laughs> Looking at my Gucci, it's about that time. This is a special bonus edition of Have You Heard, and I'm not going to do a Have You Heard. Len is just going to school me on funk for a minute, because yeah. for those just joining, last week we had a little debate about whether or not I liked funk. Well, I said I don't like, I'm not a huge fan of funk, and but I think I had a, maybe a narrow definition of what I, because then you guys were like, what, you don't like James Brown? I'm like, hold on, I love James Brown, but that's soul, you know? So I'm, I'm thinking maybe I just, my definition of funk. So I'd love you to define funk yeah. for me. And then maybe I like it more than I think Absolutely. I did. And I want to okay. talk about the people that can't see. I changed my album background today just to fit the mood. So I have Ohio Players. I have some Marvin Gaye. Oh, God. Are Ohio Players Brothers. funk? I love Ohio Players. So I'm already, yeah, I'm already screwed. Okay. Isley Brothers. <gasps> I, have, I have Isaac Hayes. And uh, All right. Yeah, I, well, think, so. I think there's just a certain kind of funk I don't like. But anyway, you tell yeah, me. So, yeah. so I, watched, I watched the history of funk just to get prepared. So I would just want to make sure that I was on point and correct. So the person that gets credit for funk is James Brown. Okay. And the first funk song was Cold Sweat. Okay. And the reason why he did everything on the one. Okay. One that was funk and the way and then the, the way he played the instruments. So the way it was described is since that was the first funk song, it was everything was on the one, then uh, he had these uh, sounds in his head and he would mouth them right so you tell the bass player mm, um, mm, oh, and he's like no and then he gets it right so that was the first funk uh song okay now the progression of that went to sly uh and the family stone and sly and the family stone really revolutionized funk with larry graham so larry graham is the bass player if somebody doesn't know he is probably the inventor of the slap bass mm-hmm. and the reason why he invented slap bass is because he said that his mom uh, remove the drums. He was playing the drums. So he was trying to mimic the sound of the drum because he didn't have it on the bass. And he came up with that slap bass and he changed the way I'm not a musician. So if anybody's a musician and wants to challenge and this, please feel free. But he went on the two and four, the slap was on the two oh, and yeah. four and created the funky rhythm from that uh, with lyrics of uh, slide and family stone. Uh, so then the Ohio, Bands started jumping on Ohio players. Players. You have Ohio players. The Izzy brothers started coming. All these different bands. Even Stevie Wonder, if you're talking about, you know, superstition is funky. Uh, Higher ground, there's a lot of funk. It's that rhythmic sound. But what happened was. I think superstition is like an early disco song in a way. If you hear it, that'd be. Well, yeah. then you can you can say that about uh, Nile Rodgers also used that uh, that kind of baseline, but you also had a funk, uh, like uh, the influence from uh, the Larry Graham sound. Then uh, George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelics happened. I think this is where... This is uh, where I start falling off a bit. I mean, in terms of my interest in it. If you listen to the original 
polymer, like the original funkadelic sound, there is a real funk to that. But what happened was, I, I think, and I don't know, this is something we can discuss. It got diluted because he created this business and he had a hundred people in his band. He had like 30 different bands and it was all about the show. Like yeah. the show was, uh, you know, the mothership would come and he would come out. Yep. And it was just, and I think I lost that funk too, because if you think about all, like we talked about Jamiroquai and we talked about all these different bands before. And if you listen to them, there is a funk influence. Even the Chili Peppers, man, like think about the Chili Peppers. There's so much funk that they bring with the, you know, flea slapping and stuff. But that whole genre actually changed my mind about funk too. And I think it just got diluted. And then when West Coast hip hop picked that up and they repurposed it. They repurposed that, it in a way that I like yeah. more. But exactly. all that music, like the Atomic Dog, which then Snoop Dogg used as yep. a sample, I think of that as really being funk, like that kind of that sound of that bass that's kind of a um like a synthesizer sound. Yeah. Like I think of that and I just think of like some big guy with like weird glasses and a showy and i'm just like eh, i don't love that stuff but it's funny i do like the way it was repurposed in hip-hop yeah. a decade later so well you think about it, it's george clinton right but yeah then he he had some amazing players and, and the reason why the sound got diluted is because he turned this machine on in the history of uh a funk he even said they even made albums for the roadies like roadies were sort of musicians so they let them make an album right. too they well, were just throwing spreading the love yeah <laughs> Well, I don't know. He's probably getting the most of the cash for that. Yeah, too, yeah. But, love too. And, you know, he was also <laughs> one of the reasons that Dre used sampled him so much is because he would allow him to and he would the prices were very low to, for the yeah. licensing. And that's why you stopped hearing samples from like before that, which were these, you know, records where it was very expensive to buy the samples. So hope Dre's was, OK. I hope Dre's OK. Yeah. By the way, shout out to Dre. My squirrel moments. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Dre. We were texting about that with the aneurysm. Yeah, he's got an aneurysm. Yeah. He's uh, I'm not sure. I haven't heard. I haven't heard much been, about that, but there's been yeah, a lot of other news going on lately. So that I don't is, know what's going on. True. So going forward in funk, you know. The, All right. You got me fine. I mean, well, all you, you have mean, to say I'm, is. Ohio Beastie players. Boys. Well, hi, but but then you have Beastie Boys, like you have Funky Boss, and you have all these different samples. But you think about it, like Bootsy Collins, uh, who's from P Funk, he played on so many different things with such a unique, amazing sound. And the Beastie Boys put out an entire instrumental album of all funk. Right. So, so let me share some things with you, and, and I do concur with you about the P Funk era. So I'm going to play you a song. Maybe it's called P-Funk. Maybe that's what I don't like is it's called P-Funk. And what I like, because everything else you're saying I like. Um, So let let me play play something for you and see if you recognize it. So first of all. So you got that, eh, right? I okay. mean, so so hold on, hold on. I don't me, love me, that. Let me build okay. the whole. I story. like the Isley Brothers. I think they do in between the sheets. I like some songs they do, yeah. but that one. Okay, that's the kind of funk that actually I don't like so much. It's like sounds like the. <laughs> Yeah, 
When I first wanted to rap, I came front, man, I fronted the facts. Fabricated every single statement that I ever made at a young age, and I'm running with gas. Nobody shots, man, I'm coming for hats and match a melon. Cool guy in real life, but I'm a felon on tracks. Then I set my pants on fire, lie, lie, singing to the choir, let me fall back. Then I fell on my knees and said, oh, Lord, please, a young fella need help. Told me it was all I need to love everybody else, including myself. myself. And it's okay, you feel the type of way, nothing corny about that. I love myself. I'm a Christian rapper, I ain't no actor, man, I'm really about that. (laughs) I'm a Christian rapper. He's a Christian rapper. His name is Sean Burgundy. So you remember, I love myself. And he's using the sample from the Izzy Brothers for that song, which is, you like that better, I'm assuming. than definitely a little bit better. Oh, it's that a little bit corny, is, but I like yeah, it better. That lady, who's that lady? Who's yeah. that so, lady? Yeah. Right. So now. A culmination of the song, taking the samples that I just told you, sharing you. Those punk samples, what they actually do in the hip hop song that I really like a lot. This is a world. They sped it up. This is a world. I've been through a whole lot. Trial, tribulation, but I know God. Satan wanna put me in a bow tie. Pray that the holy water don't go dry. Yeah, yeah. As I look around me. So many motherfuckers wanna tell me, but they don't be gonna never drown me in front of a dirty double mirror. They found me, and I love myself. The world is a It's Kendrick so much Lamar. tremendously. It's interesting because it just gets so much better when Kendrick Millar's voice is on it and his his flow and everything. Exactly. But yeah, it's interesting to see how like people adapt something that I didn't really like that much in the first place and make it their own and make it better. Yeah. That's why I feel like samples should be that buying publishing and all this stuff. I think it's bullshit because you're repurposing it in a way that makes it a different. Yeah, I agree. Music, so I'm gonna whatever. I'm gonna end with a little bit of Beastie Boys. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this this song you already know because it just the name of it and it's funky. Right? Funky That's funky. <laughs> That's just funky. Right. The last thing that I want to share with you is what I talked about before. The album that is a full funk album. It's the Beastie Boys in sound from way out. And every one of these songs is an instrumental groove, except for this one. And it's all super funky. the only one that has to do it. 
the album basically starts off with it's all instrumental. Yeah. They play all the instruments and it's all. This is this isn't really funk. That isn't funk. I mean, maybe it is. But. It get it gets funky. It is. But I mean, this to me, this is more like like lounge. It's the, it's yeah, the two it's and four. Of, yeah, that's true. I guess it's the two and four thing. Okay. Well. All right. Maybe it's a two and four. You bring in the bass on the two instead of the one. And suddenly you that's, got a groove. That's, that's it. So it's there, semantics. There's a, there's a groove, but I think we established here's it's where the I P funk stuff that I'm I have a little that's bit of problem it. with. That came right. out of the sort of like early '80s, late '70s, and it was like bow, 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 yeah. And then everybody's Atomic going, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Just well, it's just a hundred people on stage. Yeah, you're right. And maybe that's the problem. It just got watered down. But all but respect say, to George Clinton. I mean, without George Clinton and like Bootsy Collins and these guys. They're like legends, and oh, I get it. that's the one I forgot. Shit, I forgot to play. Thank Bootsy? you for reminding me. Yes. So this is the kind of stuff. Well, that, Bootsy uh, was in James Brown's band, right? And then he did his own thing. You can't cool me down until... It's a little bit cheesy. I, that see, that is kind of the stuff I don't love. I, I feel bad because it's like to say that you don't like Bootsy Collins is like almost like sacrilegious. But I love Bootsy Collins. I just there's that kind of little bit of a flow groove that came out that he did sometimes that I didn't love. But listen, he does a tremendous amount of stuff that I love, and I mean he's credited with the bass line on um, Genius of Love. Yeah. Well, I think we established something. Yes. I think that you that like I'm an asshole. <laughs> early. No, no, you like early funk. You like yeah. you like the Bruce. James Brown, yep. the Ohio uh, bands, the yep. Meters. Uh, I love the Meters. Yep. Uh, there's uh, you know Ohio players, all those guys. Then something Sly. went terribly wrong in the late seventies. I think it's called LSD. <laughs> No, I think that's what George Clinton was talking about. They right. started taking LSD and they took funk in a different direction with, uh, you know, the mothership and all that stuff. So it's sort of yeah. Warped. And then it came back. So, all right. Well, like, thank you. That was actually very illuminating <laughs> and educational. I hope our, our listeners found it educational. And you can write to say like small. It. You have no idea what I'm t- you're talking about. I mean, I listen. I, I went. Think- I saw George Clinton in concert in Japan yeah. in 1980. No, in 1990. So I mean, I guess I liked him enough to go and see him in concert. But I, I just oh, it's a great show. It's really interesting. Yeah. I, I've seen George Clinton before. Uh, he had a show, supposedly he had a show right before COVID. It was one of the last shows and it was not a show. He didn't play. <laughs> it was him and Flea. And they just oh, really? sat there and talked. Oh, and wow. I was like, oh, well, this is interesting because uh, he's a big, I guess Flea's a big fan. I'm sure. I mean, if you're a bass player, you love George Clinton. But yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, but <laughs> there was no music. Well, I saw the music, which was good, but again, not just not my go-to thing if I'm going to listen to it. And my son really likes that music. I mean, he's always playing me stuff that's like variations on that that hip-hop artists are doing now. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then he gets well, pissed I'll, at me I'll, and we I'll get mad send at each you, other. I'll send you some stuff that I think now that we established 
what it is that you really like, I will try to find those specific genre tracks I think you really dig. All right, man. Thank you for fighting the good fight on that one. <laughs> You're trying blues so hard. is next. I'm gonna I'm doing blues with you next, and yeah. I'm doing jazz. And then I have to convince. Oh, well, jazz is um, you got me already. But I have to convince you on. Maybe we'll have to figure out what you don't like, and I, maybe I can convince you differently. Country. Oh, I'm not your guy, but maybe we can get somebody on the show that can convince us about country. Somebody wants to try, and man. maybe some Hawaiian music. I don't know. We should thank Al Harrington again for being on the show. For sure, for sure. Great. It's awesome, man. All right, brother. Until next week. Yep. This is me saying everything. Yes. Everything is personal. (laughs) All right. Peace. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Cannachix Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.